Hello Mustang fans and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore. You know, from my years with Auto Week Magazine, the Ford Special Vehicle Team, Ford Racing, and now Ford Performance, I've always known that everyone has a Mustang story. And so to that end, I hope you are reading my efforts to tell your story in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com, as well as keeping up with the latest happenings in the Mustang hobby by checking out FordPerformanceClubConnect.com every week. My co-host is a Mustang hobby and industry expert who is perhaps best known as the longtime president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, or Moxum, one of the largest and most active Mustang clubs on the continent. Plus, we'll also have some Boxum for you Bronco owners out there, as well as being the new leader behind the International Council of Mustang Clubs. Of course, I could only be talking about Mike Ray. Mike, tonight, a superstar when it comes to Mustang journalism. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have a lot of fun. All our listeners are going to love this guest tonight. Well, from uh, from our past, Mike, I, I go way back with this guy back when I was actually working as a journalist. And my first year at Ford in 1995, we had f- so much fun at the uh, long lead, uh, the, the reveal, if you will, of the 1995 SVT Mustang Cobra R at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We've become good friends over the years, never really fell out of contact. And this guy still writes for me every once in a while for performance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Steve Turner to the Mustang Owners Podcast. Steve, welcome aboard. Well, thank you so much for having me, gentlemen. I'm honored to be a part oh. of the podcast. <laughs> I don't know about honored, but I can tell you what I'm honored is you come up with turns of phrases and twists of words. that, And then to know that your little media company is called Speed Metal Media. Yes. Well, that's it. The name of the company blends my two loves, which are, are you know, fast cars, primarily Mustangs and uh, loud music, hard rock. So, uh, <laughs> I, so Mike, I mix those two together. Mike, when you saw his logo, you were talking about rock bands and Steve is, let's, you're right. He's, he's into loud music and loud cars. Yeah. It looks like the front of a kick drum. It looks amazing. I like it. <laughs> so Steve, you go, uh, I don't want to update you here, but you go way back. Well, you started writing when you were six, I believe. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's why I started very young, so I'm still young. And you mentioned the uh, 1995 uh, Mustang Cobra R launch. And that was, uh, I, I had not started uh, in this business much before that. That was the first new vehicle drive that I ever attended when I met really? There and uh, ironically, it was at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and I was just at Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, 29 years later driving the Mustang Dark Horse. So yeah, yeah, isn't that freaky? So you were you working for um, uh, at the time Mustang Five O Mustang a Super Ford back then or what? That was that was that was Super Ford Magazine. Okay, I started on, and uh, that was the first. uh, Well, one of the I had gone to. Uh, New York Auto Show earlier mm-hmm. that year for them, but uh, it was the first new vehicle launch that I had covered for Super Ford back in the day, and and uh, you know I, I ended up doing it with you, which was quite an experience. I don't know if you want to get into uh, well, some of that. I am I'm going to save that for our, our SVT reunion coming up here at the Mustang Memory Show. All right, and we're doing. Uh, hopefully, you can join us. We're going to be doing a. Uh, we're going to have Neil Wrestler and John Coletti, Janine Bay. Um, Doug Gafka, some of the great names from the SVT history, and 
have them at the Automotive Hall of Fame to do a panel discussion. But I think what I have to do is share that story of my very first press launch after 15 years being a member of the media and then turning around doing my my first shot at being the PR guy, uh, communications guy for Ford SVT. And what a memorable time I made. <laughs> I made for everyone as well as as to one of our vehicles in our fleet. Uh, yes. Well, I point I, out, yeah, I point out to you, Steve, at Auto Week, I never put a scratch on a single press card. Well, that's good. That's how, yeah. that's how you stayed there for so long. <laughs> well, but, uh, well, well I'll, I'll have to come up uh, to the Motor City uh, for this SVT gathering. Obviously, I have a long history with SVT. And, yes. you know, I covered the basically the the full arc almost i missed the the first year in 93 but i picked up there in 95 and and covered it through its duration so you know i know a lot of those people that will be at that oh event. yeah yeah i bet you it'll be a homecoming of sorts for you as well but uh you talk about come full circle and here uh that we just had the media event at the dark with the dark horse at charlotte and you uh but you also uh edit one of the magazines is it for uh NMRA or is it? Yeah, I, I work on what I call my day job is editing <laughs> uh, the magazine called Fastest Streetcar, which is the official publication of NMRA and okay. NMCA. So NMRA is a series uh, dedicated just to Ford, uh, primarily drag racing, but in recent years has expanded to include other things, you know, drifting, autocrossing, off-road elements. You know, it's more of a motorsports uh three ring circus at this point, but the core of it is drag racing. And then NMCA uh, includes Fords, but it's all basically all the big three muscle cars uh, racing in that series. So I edit that magazine. And then uh, in my, I like to say that I write about drag racing during the day and I write about Mustangs at night. <laughs> so Mr. Ray, uh, isn't fastest streetcar your Instagram handle? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, and I don't even got time to drive cars anymore. Me and you are so busy. Absolutely <laughs> insane, John. No, but uh, so, but you're something Steve would appreciate it would be loudest street car. Yes, yes. No, it is pretty loud. I can give you that. Your mufflers are ungodly. How do you not get a ticket? GT500 mufflers with no cats. Yeah, it's pretty loud and some headers on it. Yeah. Something's just saying, but Steve would love it. He loves standing behind it and he could talk over it still. So so, Steve, <laughs> so let's go back to the days of yesteryear. Uh, so doing the magazine stuff, uh, those guys were pretty much on the Ford beat. And of course, you would be chasing all the cool stuff out of Ford, but would it only be restricted to Mustang or did you have to do, did you go like, for example, to the Lightning or? Oh yeah, we did, we did everything, you know, so I started on Super Ford and I was there, I think for about five years. And then I took over 5.0 Mustang. Uh, magazine, which I did for 15 years. And at, at, wow. at later in that term, Super Ford went away and got folded into 5.0 Mustang. So right. while I was just doing 5.0, it was primarily Mustang, but on Super Ford and then there towards the end, we did a little bit of everything. So, uh, you know, we particularly were covering the high performance stuff. So obviously lightning, but we covered everything from SVT Contour, SVT oh, Focus, okay. you know, the the whole gamut of it. But obviously Mustang is is the car when it comes to to ford performance you know as far as the marquee models so that that was the primary focus but we do a little bit of everything and I, you know i find all of it interesting well one thing that mike and i were talking about uh when we saw you at fox fest is uh you know it seems if um there are a couple ways into the hobby and we really wanted to pick your brain tonight about that um i always thought sn95 
was the entry level part because my son's a millennial and that's how he got in. But Mike, uh, Mike's got a fox body like you do, and um, and then we're we're noticing, or maybe Mike, is it just me that a lot of these guys coming into the hobby into their thirties now with either a fox or an S ninety five are are racing? Is it is it just me or is, is that happening in Moxham, right, Mike? I mean, autumn. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. Look at autumn. Yeah, and uh, yeah. There's fox body. They've all been, you know, I think Fox Body, Steve can adjust to this, the Fox Body has been one of the favorites for drag racing for sure for many, many years, um, especially the notchbacks. So, yeah, I don't, and that is just keep, it keeps growing and growing. And, but it's been like that as long as far back as I can remember. I mean, that's been the case pretty much since the cars came out, you know, particularly as they, they got into the mid, mid to late 80s when they got more power um that they really started an entire movement of of guys that were modifying them and racing with them you know as john can probably attest you know in the in ye olden days to to hot rod fords you were kind of a real rebel there weren't a lot of parts available you were kind of modifying factory parts and and trying to go fast and with the advent of the fox mustangs in particular the you know the later carbureted and the efi five liter engines really became the centerpiece for a movement that that forced the aftermarket to address Fords and, and really go all in. And now the Mustang, Fox Mustang remains popular in that segment because it's there's such a robust aftermarket for it. You can you can basically if you have a body, you can build up a whole car from scratch. There's suspension and engine. You can, you know, these days there's full kits you can put coyote or Godzilla engines in them and there's full suspensions and everything. So it's uh and they're lightweight and and they work. You know, you you a lot of times uh you know for performance sponsors the uh the coyote stock uh class in in uh NMRA as far as backing the engines and the sealed uh, processors that keep those cars competitive. And if you watch Coyote Stock, it's one of the most exciting classes because you see a lot of a lot of Fox platform vehicles doing wheelies. And some of them are <laughs> you know, Fairmont wagons or, you know, Mustang coupes. You see a little <laughs> bit of all of it. Oh, my. Well, Mike, you should know. Uh, I mean, you have your Fox convertible is pretty rare and it's in the museum but at the Halderman barn. but um it's, you know steve when i talked about hot riding my cobra too i'd pull the, the small motor stuff off it's a, a five liters a five liter and you can fix anything you want out of a ford racing catalog so i put in a no bump stick and go with the 351 windsor heads with a little bigger valves and a, a nice intake and a holly 650 and but when you screwed around with your fox body you have an 88 uh you call it the fox 500 because you stuck a gt 500 engine in it <laughs> well, I didn't personally. Uh, Pulse High Performance did the uh, the hard work there, but it was my it was my idea to do that. I kind of I kind of fell in love with the S one ninety seven GT five hundreds when they came out. Obviously, before that, you know the the Terminator Cobras were really hot, yeah, and yeah, and, and the GT five hundred was kind of the next evolution of that with a bigger engine. And uh, you know, I ended up buying one of those cars as well, a 2008 GT500. But I just thought those things were so cool—a big, you know, modular engine with a supercharger. And uh, I came up with the crazy idea to swap one into a Fox. Yeah. So the question, everyone listening tonight to Steve Turner, um, they're going to say, "What's wrong with him?" <laughs> no, no, that's cool. And because I, you know, hey, so 
listen, the, the, the stuff we saw at Fox Fest, people are putting coyote. I, I know a guy that uh, Dugan Racing put a coyote in a King Cobra. I mean, so coyotes are cool, and, and uh, the mod motors are – but I, I want to point something out that Mike mentioned here, and that is I think one of the reasons why the Fox lasted so long, because, you know, don't forget – uh, the early Foxes, uh, when it went down to 255, that is actually the lowest horsepower of any Mustang, not the Mustang 2. Right. And then uh, and then once we got the dual snorkel and the boss was back and we started to make some horsepower, we could, we could engineer in horsepower. That car was in market for 15 years, and the small block Ford, um, it just everybody knew how to play with it, and the stuff that came out for it was so big that, be, to be honest with you, there was huge worry that the SN95 was going to dump the 5 liter and um and people were like writing and saying why would they do that for this what is it what are they going to put in here a 46 what why would they do that <laughs> there was a lot of pushback against getting rid of the 5 liter to the mod motor do you recall that Stephen? do you um well you know we about? had that we had those transition years of 94 and 95 when we got the new uh, chassis with the five, the fuel injected five liter engine it made a little less power but you know it still carried over and it allowed people to that really wanted the five liter to keep going with that but there was definitely it was definitely a rough transition in 1996 uh, because the the four six two valve was not all that powerful, so uh, <laughs> you know people were it wasn't that exciting for people. Now the the Cobras of that era that made three hundred horsepower, you know people were into those, and those became the cars that that people wanted to really play with with superchargers and that that sort yeah. of thing. But you know the two valves were were kind of a, a tough road to take uh, from a performance standpoint back then. Well, that's why. You know, Mike still has his rolling in my five O shirt. <laughs> hey, Mike, did, I think you gave those out at a at a memory show one year. That's funny, and you know, I actually got to meet Vanilla Ice and see his car at one of the. Oh events. come so, on, you yeah, did back not. in the day. Yeah, no, yeah, no, not, not a Florida. That's, that that's it, Turner. Do you believe this guy? <laughs> I, I believe anything from Mike. I, he, I, I, I see him everywhere. So <laughs> I know he, he is he is everywhere. And he knows everybody and. Uh, what you don't know about him is he's got a photo bomb of everybody he's ever met. Like it's like his phone is eighty thousand. Steve phones. knows that we just took one at Fox Fest. Yes, <laughs> yes, he's the he's the he's the Mustang selfie king. Well, Vanilla Ice aside, uh, <laughs> you Fox Body guys out there, you, you certainly uh, had a lot to to go on with this new newfound interest. I would I would say newfound because let's face it, S one ninety seven really regenerated mustang sales everybody wanted one because they looked like the original and uh we had we had a couple of glory years there and as um as the as the gt500 came out those cars were spectacular and then when s550 came out mike and i have been some to some shows where young people have adopted s550 faster than we ever believed and that's why we think steve the fox body is not just uh your racetracks where you're covering it for your magazine but also at, at auction, people are just dying to buy low mileage, clean, never before molested Fox body, especially like Mike said, notchbacks. And they're they're why are they unobtaining them? They made them for fifteen years. They're going through the roof. Yeah. Well, the, well, the thing is, John, as you probably know, uh, the the Cobras and and some of the Celines and some of the more rare cars are the ones that got put away and yeah. stored in garages. 
and are are kind of more available really these days. The the every man's LX, which everyone wanted a hot rod back in the day, they all got beat on and raced and wrecked, and you know, not no one had the had the foresight to uh, you know put a pristine you know ninety three Mustang coupe uh, away in a garage and not touch it. They couldn't resist doing that. So now finding one is is a minor miracle and and even cars that are not great shape are are pulling big money and it's interesting yeah. because you know you you always reach that sweet spot where the guy is trying to buy the car he wanted when he was in high school <laughs> but but fox has sort of transcended that somehow because there's a whole younger audience that has embraced it that wasn't really even around when those cars were hot you know if you go to sh- uh, car shows like uh, the Motor City Fox Fest that we were just at, or Foxtoberfest down in Charlotte later this year, uh, you'll see people that are that are pretty young that are really into Fox Mustangs, and it, it's it's kind of really become that you know you know I don't want to curse, but you know people <laughs> used to say it's the '69 Camaro, you know the Fox Mustang, and it I think it's 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 gotten to that point where yeah. it's it's bigger than it really ever has been because the guys that wanted them when they were hot and in high school and people that are much younger want them. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's really pretty interesting. They must've seen Mike Ray's picture with vanilla ice. That's the only thing. <laughs> no, I did not get a picture with him. He's one. I do not have the picture with. Well, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just Steve, Mike and I were also talking about, uh, so you're based down South, right? Yes, I'm I'm in uh, Lakeland, Florida, which if you're from the Detroit area, you know that's where the oh, yeah. Tigers well, have their well, spring. spring. John, they're all down there. Donald Farr's down there. Mary Jean's down there. Yes. Evan's down there. Everybody's the down there. That's well, it. You know, uh, Super Ford Magazine that I worked at was a, a publication from Dobbs Publishing, which started Mustang Monthly, you know, that Donald worked on and all that. And it was based in Lakeland. So when I started that job, I moved here and, uh, you know, put down roots and and fortunately i've never had to to leave since <laughs> oh brother jeez you and your salt-free environments anyway, um, uh, so mike mike and i were also going to ask you this one and mike remember um you know his you know steve that mike's show mustang memory's been around forever oh yeah it's a fantastic show i went several years ago and it's uh i mean you can't beat it you know seeing all those cars in the shadow of ford headquarters it's just yeah yeah, there's something about being at the birthplace plus mike uh i was telling last year i saw jim farley there we've seen etzel there bill ford jr's been there henry the third i mean it's just neil wrestlers showed up i mean all the heroes that that built these wonderful cars that we love today and why everybody listens to the mustang owners podcast is that these great cars and uh, we see them there, and that's kind of cool. But what we're interested in, since you're down there, are uh, some shows have, um, I don't know, uh, gone through a, a change. You know, like uh, Mike and I have been to Sturgis, and um, we've we've seen some some like the, the Tulsa show we've been to, some of the the bucket list shows. But one that interested us just recently was Mustang Week. What's your spin on um, that long-standing show, finding new owners and? What's your expectation for a show that's been around? What was it, twenty years? Yeah, I don't, I can't think that it's been around that long. That would really make me feel old. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Mustang, we Mustang you are we, old, Steve. It was twenty years last year. You see, you're not a kid. That's our, that's our secret, John. We don't okay, talk. Right. 
You look young. <laughs> you look young, but I only do that because I wear this wig. But other than that, there you go. No, um, but, but, but Mustang Week. Mustang yeah. Week was uh, it was a real game changing show. You know, if you look at uh, traditional car shows where everyone shows up and gets their lawn chair out and sits there until the awards. Uh, Mustang Week kind of catered to a younger audience with more dynamic. Uh, they had a traditional show, of course, and cruise-ins and that sort of thing. But they added drag racing and autocrossing. And when there when there was a speedway in Myrtle Beach, they did yeah. fun runs around a oval track. And uh, so there was a lot more going on. And they tied it in with a location that made it family friendly. So you could go there with your car, send your family out to the beach, and you could do whatever you wanted with your with your Mustang. So I think that was sort of the secret of its growth. And it's it's really sustained and grown through all those years. Now, now that it's been sold, uh, you know, I know the people that have purchased it. That, oh, you uh, do? Okay. Yeah, uh, they, are you going to go this year? Uh, I will not be there this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, because... um. Well, our question is, uh, you know, and Mike, Mike and I, we say, you know, Mustang Week was great until, um, you know, the uh, the uh, Terminator come out, and then the guys leaving the parking lot got forty five feet sideways, jumped over the curb, and then yeah, well, the challenge, you know, the challenge that they have is that it it the of uh, the overall event grew into something far beyond what their scheduled events are. It's yeah. to the point now where there's you know, various online groups and people are having meets every night after, you know, the the scheduled official Mustang Week events. So there's just something going on there all the time. And, I, you know, there are people that are probably there that maybe only go to a fraction of the actual events or there for all the after stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, you can't control what all those people are doing. So unfortunately, yeah. there is there's a you know there's a segment of people that are doing things they shouldn't be, and that makes it kind of hard to 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 stay in in a place. You know, it makes it challenging. But I, hopefully, you know, they're going to be able to mitigate some of that and keep it going because it, re it really is a neat event. Yeah, you yeah, know, like to add to Steve's thing, he, he is exactly right because John. There's two or three thousand Mustangs down at Mustang Week, but at the actual main event itself, I think there's only room for five hundred, and then they sell it out. They close it out. But there are thousands of Mustangs down there for the the whole week of events. Getting into trouble though, Mike. Yeah, but I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it, it is. But like Steve said, it's just a, it's a different crowd. It's a younger crowd. Um, it's definitely fun. I've I've been there multiple times, and um, but yeah, like you said, there's different events that are not organized actually through the Mustang Week organizers. Yeah, well, so it's but even though that's the case, you know, they, they kind of get lumped in together when you know the right the, the when you're talking about it, it's Mustang week, right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, it's it's been around for 20 years, so hopefully, maybe they've, they've the, the crowds have gotten a little older and more mature and, and will keep it more under control so they can keep that event running because it, it really is a lot of fun. You know, my Boy. favorite thing about being there for it is that you just you hear Mustangs driving by all the time. And, you know, if you're a Mustang fan, when you hear those Mustang exhausts, you kind of stop and turn your head. You're trying to figure out what, which exhaust it is or what car it is, you know, and you're just constantly doing that at an event like Mustang week, which makes it fun. Well, you, you are definitely an optimist because um, I, I mean, I was around, I'm a little older than you guys. And I was around when the muscle car era was, was really getting shut down by, police because you know, by the time you know the uh you know big block camaros and and 
428 Cobra Jet Mustangs and Hemi Mopars were running up and down Woodward with my brother. Uh, by the time I got out there, it was Pintos and Vegas and Gremlins. Oh, my. I mean, it was like a totally different world. But the police really wanted to shut that down because uh, because kids would just congregate there. And now, Steve, there's an issue in the United States with all these street takeovers, especially with people that have, you know, um, char- Hellcat Chargers and Mustangs with, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the brake. Uh, it's just, it's getting out of control. And that's why I think as a journalist, you know, it's, it's partially uh, a challenge to try to get people to say, look, we love performance cars, but get them on a racetrack, go to the, one of your, you know, one of your, your uh, tracks and one of those events and do that safely and legally. And I think that's a challenge, Steve. It's definitely a challenge, especially in the drag racing world, because just in this recent year, I think maybe in the last month and a half, I've seen like three or four tracks close, you know, the, oh, the economic forces around, you know, development and warehouses and things that, you know, these track owners are getting offered money that they just can't turn down. And in some instances, you know, tracks, uh, you know, like English Town just closed. And- oh, and ATCO, English Town closed a couple of years ago as far yeah. as drag racing. They still do drifting there. But then then ATCO, the only drag race uh, drag strip in New Jersey there, uh, closed down. Uh, so, you know, it makes it more and more challenging to find a place that you can do it in a safe environment. But I agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a. Uh, there's so, so much there's so much performance in these especially especially these new cars that you could get in trouble oh really gosh easily. yeah we see it every day <laughs> but but mike it, you know isn't it we're just as we need those facilities we're starting to lose them and we got guys like steve turner you know and he he, he writes about fastest street car and there, there used to be a venue where we could say hey you know go to the track if you if you're really all that get off the street and do something legal and now they can it's really a it's it's a tough time uh, we're, because there's so many car haters out there anyway, and we're loud and boisterous and obnoxious, and we make a lot of tire smoke. And while we're laughing, other people are frowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's kind of sad. But Steve, we're we're really pleased that you uh, you know you're tied to that part of the world with fastest streetcar, and uh, that, that's a real important part for people to get in to understand their car. Mike always told me that. Uh, we got a lot of members and sometimes um, they are buying cars that are way more capable than the, their driving ability. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. <laughs> that's yeah, why well, I mean, one, one, one of the most popular components uh, of the racing series these days are sort of the street oriented classes. You know, we've had true street in both series for years and those, you know, basically anyone can come and they run a, they they go on a 30 mile cruise and they come and run three back to back passes and they're they take their average. So it's not about cutting lights and all okay. that pressure. So anyone can do it and take the car that they drive every day and come out and have fun. And obviously a lot of those cars were either fast from the factory or they're modified to be much faster. And then in recent years, uh, the series have developed uh, some index classes that that work with the new uh safety regulations because the new cars are so much safer than the older cars you can mm-hmm. run a lot faster without having to put a cage in them so uh, there's a class called uh 860 street race which has become really popular because you know these cars can run so so fast but they can only go so fast without having uh, a cage and that sort of thing and, and right. so it lets people run up kind of up to that limit and then you know not have to make those modifications for their car so 
there are places where people can come with these really high performance street cars and and really let them you know let them do their thing in a safe <laughs> way. well I, I remember uh you know back when i was at ford racing we did a day out at Milan. i believe you might have been out there uh they told you to run with your bronx so in the typical john clore fashion and mike you'd appreciate this um, I brought my wife's uh, 1980 Pinto station wagon. So, <laughs> so my goal for the day, Steve, was to see if that thing could bust the 20. If I can get under 20 and for the quarter, I'd be <laughs> really happy. So the thing had 86 horsepower, a 2.3 liter with air conditioning, and with air, with air conditioning on, I think it had 60 horsepower. But I, I, I uh, so when I leave the light, uh, I tried to brake torque, and it actually went like this. I did that. Uh, and then uh, it, it, it took a long while to get out from first to second. The shift was forever. But, uh, you know, I, I want you to be all be proud of everyone listening to me right now to be proud that that little thing actually cut a less than a 19. I, I mean, I've just cut up just a high 18 just because I cut such a great light. So if you don't think drag racing is fun, I could even do that in a 1980 Pinto station wagon and have an absolute blast while the rest of my buddies were you know, driving their 460 Fairmonts. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what and so steve i we are so happy that you're 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 involved with the racing side i mean if anybody out there listening to the mustang owners podcast can i just google steve turner and sees the your work is all over the internet and it's not just uh, speed metal media i mean you you're you're everywhere you write about a bunch of great wonderful topics you, your your knowledge and experience in the mustang world is is, is one to be jealous of. And I'm just so happy to, to be able to call you a friend, uh, even though you like Fox bodies not better than you second gen cars. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to call both of you friends as well. And I've always appreciated, you know, I, I always appreciate an iconoclast and you, your love for the Mustang too is, uh, is probably legendary around uh, the Mustang <laughs> circles. And, you know, uh, as much grief as I as I give you about it, I, I have to respect you for, uh, you know, sticking with what you love. Well, Steve, uh, as I said at the beginning of the intro, everyone has a Mustang story, and every single Mustang out there, and this goes for all of our listeners, no matter what you have, you can't, you know, have uh, seven generations of Mustang or have seven generations of children, and, and then you don't invite the second kid to the Christmas dinner because, you know, he was a bastard redheaded stepchild. <laughs> you, 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 uh, they're all our family, and every Mustang is beautiful and wonderful in its own way. And again, Steve, I really appreciate your time. Mike, we got to have this guy at as many events as we can and hang out more with Steve Turner. And folks, if you want to hang out with Steve Turner, get online, all the great stuff. And Steve, I hope you had a good time at the Dark Horse launch. Oh, I definitely did. You know, uh, it was really interesting because, you know, as we know, uh s650 kind of picks up where s550 left off so i was curious to see you know how far the engineers could push it and i always love the opportunity to get a chance to to dig in with those guys and and get the story behind those cars and they really were able to push all the versions of the car forward from both a performance standpoint and a, a drivability standpoint. You know, I, I spent most of my time in a dark horse with the handling package. And in, in, in some of the old days, you might think, well, you know, that's going to beat you up. You might not be able to live with it. And it's, you know, obviously it's a little stiffer ride than, than a standard car, but from someone that's into performance, it's completely livable on the street. 
uh, and it's just a monster on the track. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was really a lot of fun to get. Oh, together. that's great. Well, we can't wait to read your review and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed our time with Steve Turner. Uh, we, we certainly did. And Steve state, please stay in touch, uh, and keep on writing all that wonderful stuff, uh, with not just drag racing, but all of our Mustangs that we love. And as long as they're a Mustang, we hope there's a Steve Turner writing about them. So thanks for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me. We much enjoyed it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hate to say this, but we're a little bit out of time. So until next time, we're just going to have to catch you down the road. <laughs>